Welcome back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 19. We're here this time to talk about Bonk's adventure on the TurboGrafx-16 and PC Engine. There was also a couple other releases, but we're going to be talking about this one. Uh, so my name is Kevin Larrabee, and along with me this week, first I have to introduce our special guest, Steve Lynn. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, for people that don't know Steve, uh, incredible. He has an incredible collection, huge collector, um, also over at Gree Games. Uh, so it is going to be really cool to talk to Steve. He's also, like I am going to mention next week, uh, part of the reason why it is really hard to get games like Windjammers and uh, <laughs> Tetris Battle Get In and things like that, um, because he has a stockpile of this stuff in his garage, and he's just driving up those prices and then throwing his copies on eBay. Uh, joking aside. He's the wolf of um, video game retro Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, totally. I haven't seen that yet, so I don't, I don't really know the reference. It looks fun, though, I guess. Uh, the other voice that you heard is, of course, uh, Joshua Hillier. Josh, how are you? Well, uh, I solved my problems the same way I've been solving them for years, which hmm. is by banging my head against them. Okay, great. Yeah, no, that's a perfect setup for, for this week's episode. Uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about Bonk's adventure, but to include as much music as possible and to extend the length of this episode, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be right back with the history of Bonk's adventure. So please stick around. history of Bonk, we have to start with the release date. It came out in Japan in 1989 as PC Genjin. It is a play on the PC Engine, which is the name of, of course, the, the Turbo Graphics over in Japan. And then he made, uh, made it out here in North America in 1990. Uh, it was developed by Red Company and Atlas. Uh, Red Company also did uh, Gates of Thunder and Lords of Thunder, and also Hagane on the uh, Super Nintendo. Um, awesome, man, we, we're probably going to have to do Gates and Lords of, or at least Lords of Thunder at some point. That game's great. Um, so the Japanese name of the original game for the PC Engine, like I said, is PC Genjin. Uh, literally, uh, I guess it's translated to PC Barbarian. Uh, in Japanese, PC Genjin sounds like PC Engine. And the PC sounds for, uh, man, I'm not... Uh, a uh, archaeologist. I'm not going to even try to pronounce that. Um, Pithecanthropus uh, computerus. There you go. Perfect. Um, All right. <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a play on a or a pun on Pithecanthropus erectus. It is generally called PC Kid in English, as uh, 
he was meant to be NEC's mascot at the time. In the mid-1990s, at the height of the PC Engine TurboGrafx-16 popularity, Bonk's character was used to market the brand in Europe and North America, similar to the way that Mario was uh, the face of, Ninten- of the Nintendo franchise and Sonic the Hedgehog was the face of Sega. Uh, it was also ported interestingly enough, to the NES and Famicom in 1993 as FC Kid, obviously a play on Famicom Kid. And uh, interesting side note, perfect since we have Steve on, uh, the NES version is pretty rare in the United States, and it goes for over $300. Like I have some completed listings of over $300 on eBay for this game. And Steve, I'm guessing it's just because of its rarity, not necessarily because it's better. Yeah, it it actually came out really late. It was the last year of the NES releases, so 1994. Uh, and the 300s really like cart only. Yeah. Uh, I think there was an auction late last year where complete in box it went for like 780 or something uh, because that that box and manual are, are really hard to get. Well, that's I mean my my copy of Yoshi not worth mm-hmm. a lot. Nope. Oh man, that that's a late game. <laughs> Well, Wario's Woods, the last game, and that's not worth a ton either. It's just, you know, there's like bizarre late releases for the NES that weren't Nintendo first party. Well, you don't have to pay $300 for it because you can uh, play the TurboGrafx-16 version on the virtual console. It came out in North America on November 21st, 2006. And interestingly enough, according to informal surveys, it has been one of the most purchased games on the virtual console in North America. I have nothing, no source to back that up. It's just Wikipedia. Wasn't that the Wii's launch date, November 21st of 2006? Or was that a couple days after? No, that sounds right. Yeah, I think it was. And it was one of the first groups. It was like, Highlighted, right? It's like Turbo Graphics games. And oh yeah, of Bonk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, and they had Super Mario sixty four representing the N sixty four. Bonk and like and Alien and Crush, I think, were the two games that it uh, launched with. From nice mistaken. combo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I still don't. I get to pick up Alien Crush. I'll probably get the other Japanese version. Um, you can also play it on the PlayStation three, PSP, and the Vita. There's a version on PlayStation Network that runs you a whole five ninety nine, so you can really play it wherever you'd like. And uh, the game is interesting. I'm going to kind of phrase it as reverse Mario because uh, instead of jumping on things, you actually have to bonk it with your head um, because he's got a really thick skull, you know, like a uh, an old school um, caveman. Is he a Neanderthal? I guess so. I mean, I think (laughs) there was a whole debate about this on YouTube last week with Bill Nye. Um, but also, <laughs> also, uh, it, it is kind of, uh, interesting because going up against Nintendo, uh, where Mario jumps on everything, it is a complete reverse with Bonk where he uses his head to attack everything, which is, uh, maybe one of the things that is hard to get your head around with this game. That's my attempt to be Josh. And also I, I have my not complete because I do not have the box, but I at least have the instructions uh, for my Turbo Graphics game, and I, and I wanted to reference a couple things. First off, um, the story, uh, the premise for this game, uh, Evil King Drool is up to it again. This time, he's kidnapped the beautiful dragon princess, Za, and hidden her away. The year is 10,000 BC, and as Bonk the Caveman, it's your job to get her back. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of weapons around, so you'll just have to use your head, literally. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, so that was good. And also, I wanted to, uh, as we're talking about the history of this game, I uh, want to reference how great 
the are vital the instructions for this game are um because it gives you tons of tips on how to attack the enemies and also it goes over uh the enemy uh at least a couple of the enemy types and uh i did some research before the show, um, in, in, under playing tips, it says get into small passageways by climbing the walls and spinning quickly when you reach the top. Headbutt the trees to uproot and move them. Use moving trees for transport. Call TurboGrafx hotline at 708-860-3648 for additional game playing tips. I called this phone number. <laughs> okay. Uh, before you get? Before the show, I got a woman uh, who picked up, uh, sounded, you know, possibly from the South, uh, possibly not interested in video games uh, because I said, hi, is this NEC? Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, who? Mm. Um, so unfortunately, if you call this phone number, you're just going to get a woman. Um, I did not ask her if she knew about Bonk's adventure, though. At that point, I said, oh, I apologize, and then uh, hung up. But it's interesting. Did that she they sound had- pretty? Did she sound pretty? <laughs> it was a joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is, don't people ask questions like that, though? Yeah, I don't know. But the uh, Princess Saad's phone number. It is, oh, maybe that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. think she's of that. in hiding now. It's like Betty Page, where, you know, she just. How did you get this get number? I'm like, yeah. It's, it's cool. unlisted. Right. Um, but it, it, it was funny because the uh, great people at uh, NEC offered a free helpline for tips, which I thought was really cool and it and it goes along I was watching this is totally off the beaten path but uh there was a really cool PC that uh the guys on Giant Bomb had for their um uh their Friday like random Friday show and on the box or on the advertisement for the computer it came with fr- a free one year in-home service for a computer like in the 80s like that's today you're like lucky if you can get one year of you know phone support with someone you know that might not just be re- might just be reading off a script uh so that i don't know yeah, so, you know you're right so yeah sorry to interrupt josh uh, but That's the fine. uh that phone number is long distance um for most people unless oh, you're back in the area day, code, yeah. right so that that would definitely get you in trouble you know, keep calling the number oh it's free except you're paying long distance and your parents get a crazy phone bill because you hmm. need to figure out how to play bonk well, things are, I guess, better today because you can get free or you get free nationwide calling through your favorite uh, wireless dealer. But um, again, I, I think it's we're losing something with the uh, the instructions being like one page inside of games now uh, where you just had, you know, these really cool tips and also some suggestions like, have you tried these other turbo chip game cards like uh, Newtopia, Crater Maze, Space Harrier, JJ and Jeff? <laughs> I have not tried JJ and Jeff. I'm I'm sorry. Um, I will try to to get to that at some point. But what is JJ and Jeff? This, it's a Kato and Chan. Yeah, in Japan. It's a, the sort of a comedy duo, and it's used, well, they put a JJ and Jeff in the U.S. and in uh, the Japanese version, they would fart uh, as their attack, and they changed it to spray cans in the U.S. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just totally got... You know, Seems like it'd be the other way around. It's too risque, man. <laughs> you can't have kids trying to fart. Right, as an attack. You know, yeah, instead, just use spray paint. Teach them how to yeah, spray paint stuff. tag a building. Jet right? Set Radio. Well, that's the, that's the interesting thing. We talked about Jet Set Radio a couple episodes back, and that was all about, you know, warning, do not tag other, like, buildings, because <laughs> right. you will get arrested. Um, <laughs> but did Space Harrier even come out on the... Turbo graphics in the United yeah, States? It did. Okay. Interesting. 
Um, all right. Well, that is the history of Bonk's adventure. Um, Steve, as our resident historian, did, did I miss out on any important vital piece of information? Uh, well, there was a Game Boy version. Uh, oh, well. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that, that was also a kind of random funny story. Uh, when they shut down the Hudson um, office here or in South San Francisco, uh, a guy made out with a whole case of sealed uh, Game Boy versions in the Super Nintendo Super Bonk. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, they started showing up on Craigslist and we're like, why are these sealed? And found out it was from the Hudson. Uh, when, that was during the Konami takeover. Man, and it, and it's and it's funny because being out in like I guess the Bay Area where all these game companies were hearing these stories of like when Sega shut down and then people just got like CD uh, X's for like twenty five bucks. Yeah, yeah, the the basement raid. Oh. There's one guy who well, I think he had like almost like a pallet of Game Gear systems oh or something. Oh my god! Yeah, not that you would want that, but no, <laughs> no. I, I, well, I don't know. Um, and also, Kevin I, would want it. Yeah, so, Kevin wants the gear. <laughs> no, I, I only get my game gears outside of the local YMCA. Um, <laughs> I got, dude, I got killed on NeoGaf this week for making fun of the Game Gear in the back in my as, play. As thread. you should, man. It's a good eight uh, bit. It system. is not. <laughs> it's okay. so bad. All right, uh, and also oh I forgot one piece. Uh, Hudson was developing a reboot of the franchise entitled Bonk Brink of Extinction for WiiWare and PlayStation Network. Uh, with the closure of Hudson, the status and future of this title is uncertain. Guess what? It's not coming. Um, right. Unfortunately, there's an mm-hmm. version as well, which I, I had never heard of until we started doing research for this episode. So I have to try to track that one down. A what version? Amiga. Hmm. I yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I saw that when I was. Uh, getting music for the show. Uh, listen to the Amiga soundtrack. It's kind of cool. Yeah, nice. Like, like all Amiga sure. music's really cool. Um, okay. Let's take a quick break. We're going to be right back talking about our memories and history with Bonk's adventure. So please uh, stick around. Guess what? We'll also be right back. about our memories and history with Bonk's Adventure. And uh, this is the first real Turbo Graphics game that we've talked about. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Kurt Collada on to talk about uh, Dracula X Rondo of Blood. But this is uh, interesting because I think we at least need to talk about the uh, the Turbo Graphics uh, Turbo Chip cards and how awesome those were back in 1990 when you compared them to in you know relative terms gigantic super nintendo uh nes and and genesis carts um so i i just want to throw that out there but i'm going to toss it to you first steve um you know what what's kind of your history with bonk's adventure did this is this the game that kind of sold you on picking up a, a turbo graphics uh, well, I had a Turbo Graphics before uh, Bong came out because I had traveled to Japan before and seen the PC Engine uh, and all the games because at the time it was you know the second most popular system next to the Famicom. So you know I I looked through the aisles and I'm like oh all these games the graphics look amazing I can't wait till the system comes out in the U.S. 
And of course, it launched uh, right alongside the Genesis. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, Genesis, they, they, they just came out. There's all these games that are going to come over. So I'm going to hitch my uh, wagon to the Turbo Graphics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we all know how that turned out. Uh, but uh, I had, you know, my personal story on Bonk was uh, I had not seen it, but I was trying to be sort of a Turbo Graphics evangelist in school. Uh, because everybody's like, oh, the Genesis is better. It's got Altered Beast. And uh, Bonk was one of the first games where I could say, like, see, look, real games, like good games are coming out. Like you should buy a Turbo Graphics. Um, and I, you know, I, I think it, I bought it right around the release date um, because I remember talking about it in school. So I think it was like first half of what uh, the year it came out, like it's 1990. Um, and yeah, so that around what grade were you in school at the time? This is relevant. Oh yeah. So, uh, I'm a sophomore in high school. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, for me it was, uh, you know, they, we had a little bit more disposable income and so people were definitely still playing games. Um, but I was the weird guy that said like this bizarre Japanese system was going to be the one that was going to be awesome. Hey, that's cool. Well, we're a big fan of the underdog consoles on this show, so yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, you, you talk, Kevin, you talk about the size. Um, you know, if you look inside of Turbo Graphics, it's over half air, yeah, right, because of the PC Engine, and they fell into that trap of Americans want big consoles, and so we're just gonna add more plastic and make it mm. look more on, you know, more like a, a system. Well, yeah, it, it, like the PC Engine itself, it is. It's not even as like wide as it doesn't it takes up less area than like a cd case yeah like it is well, it, it is crazy when you compare it to the huge ass turbo graphic 16 mm-hmm. which can't even output composite natively <laughs> right like what and were they, they thinking they, they might as well keep the uh the whole using a turbo tap thing as well it's like why didn't you put another controller port oh or man <laughs> well yeah i don't and anyways um it, i i think it was really cool when when Bonk was coming out. It was right about that time when um, I got access to uh, Game Pro magazine, um, and I vividly remember seeing Bonk's Adventure, uh, this this advertising and I, advertisement in Bonk's Adventure, and going to my mom saying, "Hey, I want to, I want this game. Can we buy this game?" And her going to the store and not being able to, being like, "We don't have a Turbo Graphics, and I'm not spending two hundred some odd dollars for um, a Turbo Graphics." So. Uh, we ended up renting one from the local uh, video rental place for a weekend. They picked me up from. This is so weird. It's so weird how video games like solidify like moments like this solidify all the events around you uh, at the time. But I was at Neil Stevens's uh, birthday party. This kid that I barely hung out with, but he got Street Fighter Two on the Super Nintendo. Okay, um, so we became best friends. Right. And, uh, of course, I was at his birthday party, and I get picked up from his birthday party. And in the back of my car, my brother and my sister there, my brother's got a TurboGrafx-16 in this, like, crazy carrying case from the rental store. And we just went home, and we played Bonk's Adventure um, and Blazing Lasers, like, all night. Uh, and I think we also got China Warrior, um, unfortunately, or something like that. But uh, for for that time, before having or even while we had a Super Nintendo at the time, it was still unbelievably cool to be able to play these games that were all brand new at the time. Um, but I, I think we've we've kind of talked about our uh, intro to, to Turbo Graphics. So, Steve, when you when you got access to to Bonk's Adventure, what what were your impressions of the game? Is it something that clicked with you right away? 
Uh, yeah, I, I I liked it. Uh, I do remember thinking that it was really easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished it the first day. No way. Um, yeah, and just kind of got through it and thought, well, you know, th- at least there's a good game on here. Hopefully there'll be more. Um, I, I like the variety of the levels. It's like, okay, you have your ice world and this that climbing thing was kind of interesting. Um, and I, I really, I think the big thing was just seeing like the big boss fights. Uh, <laughs> or it's like, oh, okay, it's like huge sprite and yeah. it's moving around and I can, the first boss is really easy, but then they get progressively harder. And um, you know, I want to see what King Jewel looks like. It's interesting you mentioned the um, the instruction manual talking a little about the story because they don't really talk about the story in the game. Not at all. Uh, it just it sort of like happens at the end. But yeah. you know, that guy's like arf 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 thanks, and those guy you know the monkey or something, and then you know who's this woman that's controlling this? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I think for me it was. It was fun. Uh, I was looking forward to more. I uh, did feel like, well, I guess I can loan this to other people who got a Turbo Graphics because of me. So for you, it was more of a marketing opportunity for the console. Right, right. I was looking for that mascot as well because, uh, you know, Keith Courage really isn't a system seller. No, no. I think they did strike gold with Bonk. That's interesting, though, because um, neither Kevin nor I were at an age where we were really promoting the underdog consoles at the time. And I think we both would have been doing what you did with the Turbo Graphics. Yeah, yeah. Had we was... been sophomores at the time. <laughs> it's just like, oh, the high school kids are playing Bonk. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, man. And it's and it's cool. And the the advertising, the the slogan or the the pitch that they had was, uh, "It's ten thousand years ago. You must bonk twenty eight stages." They don't mention how long a lot of those stages are. <laughs> uh, twenty eight stages of bad guys to rescue your princess, and you've only got one weapon. Prepare to butt heads. Wow. Um, and it was, you know, again, it's, it was kind of like that really crazy. If you look back at the nineties advertisements for, for video games, that edgy, like Sonic the Hedgehog and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all those other games that just had like those crazy ads. Um, I think it was, uh, like smash TV, like all that stuff where you saw, um, edginess and just try to like be a badass. And this is a character that was probably three feet tall if you wanted to go to scale um <laughs> if fighting these these cute enemies but it still looked super cool because like you said the sprites were big like and it could you know go toe-to-toe with the least stuff on the sega genesis um graphically at the time for for a lot of the the b-tier games so um yeah i mean even like that thing at the end of the first stage where you hit it on its head and you ride the tongue in yeah. like that's you know that's one of that's part of the sizzle reel, mm. right? You're like, look at this thing; it's eating you. It's huge, mm-hmm. and you know that. Well, then you go inside it, like literally yeah. inside it for the next level. It's right. all pretty incredible. Right. It, it's so weird because when I the, the thing that I remember the most about playing this game when I when we rented that console uh, was that we could not figure out how to to like attack enemies because we got we got <laughs> st- we grew up with Mario. We were yeah, you gotta jump on their head, man. Jumping on them, it's not working. But but it wasn't even Mario. It was every like two D platformer. You either had a projectile, or you had like a whip, or you jumped on it. And mm-hmm. we kind of didn't know what to do uh, when it came to to playing Bonk's Adventure. So I think we ended up playing uh, a lot of Blazing Lasers and uh, a lot of the um, uh, unfortunate probably was China Warrior um, at the time, but. Uh, and or maybe we had RBI baseball. We had some other bit. I don't know. Um, but it was 
it was so weird to get around that stuff. And I didn't really put in the time to figure it out. And I couldn't read. I was six years old. So <laughs> could not read the instruction manual, unfortunately. Um, Josh, you, do you have any memories of playing this when it was out, when it was when it was old? Or when it was new, no, I mean? My only real memory was uh, was playing it at Toys R Us. And huh, I, yeah. I specifically would go to Toys R Us and stand there and play this game because it was like my only opportunity to play it because our rental stores didn't have it for whatever reason. They did not even stock TurboGrafx-16 stuff. So uh, that was my only opportunity was to be that kid who stood at the store a long time and, they you know, parents... timer were, on the system. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> yeah, no. The five, oh, yeah. oh uh, man, I totally forgot, like, the, the stuff, like, we, we in the future, we're going to be talking about some some cool stuff like the the... The M82, like that timer on that damn thing. Man, <laughs> man, I'm getting so far in Street Fighter 2010. <laughs> Why are you restarting on me, man? Um, um, but, you know, I, I, I was that kid and like parents were walking up to me and mm-hmm. saying, you know, my, my little Billy would like a turn. Why don't you uh, wrap up your bonk playing, Josh? Did and, you ever uh, touch the, did either of you guys ever play the, the NES version? Yeah, so I, I have the NES version uh, and... I, I kind of dug it out to play through it. It's it's different. Um, you know, a lot of the elements are there, but there, mm-hmm. there's stuff that they kind of cut back on. So there's no, no that climbing level's gone. Uh, oh, some of the the segments are out of order, and uh, the boss battles are a lot. Stri- there's really stripped down. So you know, that's, I think the second boss that splits in two. Um, he doesn't do that. You just sort of. Oh want. man, that's the yeah. whole idea of that fight. <laughs> I know. It's like oh. this, this kind of stripped away some. Uh, they also oh. say different. The bosses say different things. Um, so they actually talk about like Princess Za being captured, uh, which I thought was weird when I was playing. Like, oh, I totally forgot that the TurboGrafx version doesn't even talk about that. It, it might be the case of a better translation or a better uh, yeah. attempt because oh. like the ready to stage or whatever it says at the beginning of every stage. <laughs> right. <laughs> or uh i don't know yeah yeah well, it's four years awesome. later so sorry go ahead joshua uh yeah so what about the volcano there's a level where there's volcanoes erupting i don't know how far you played into the nes mm-hmm. version but did you get to that part um it's, it's like about midway through the game yeah i, I seem to remember like they so the a lot of things didn't move up and down uh-huh. Um, so there's, there's, there's so that, many things on screen at that point, you know. So I was just wondering right. if they would still do that in the NES. No, they didn't. In fact, one of the things is uh, there's that level where uh, there's the the dinosaur. He comes up and he shoots water out of his head, and like his humps are moving up and down. Those are all static in the NES version. <sighs> yeah, Come on, okay. yeah. why are you people paying three hundred dollars for this game? Come on, because <laughs> it says bonk on it. Buy a PC Engine and right. Buy a copy of Bonk for twenty bucks. <laughs> Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a point. Yeah. Okay. Let's, um, I think this is, this is probably going to be our, our shorter segment because this is where we get the, the next parts where we get into the real deep stuff, uh, of replaying this game. And I think it's going to be fun to, to hear everyone's impressions of it. But, um, before we, we wrap up, uh, I don't know if we're going to cover this game, at least not in, in the, you know, uh, in the uh, close future, but, Steve, do you ever play Bonk's Revenge? Was that like a really uh, good advancement of of the mechanics and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good evolution. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like that's my Josh, I like it. Human uh, thing, uh, but yeah, it, it was a uh, it, it it was you know there was a lot of what I liked and kind of updating the graphics, making the gameplay a little bit more um, interesting. Kind of like now he's got two volcanoes coming out of his head, um, but uh, I think it was a little too 
too late at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, people had definitely moved on to Genesis and Super Nintendo's coming out. Um, but you know, kind of, I bought that, bought Air Zonk, and then Rockabilly Paradise, and all the the different things that came out. Um, but it, it's a good, it's it's a fun game. Um, I, I mean, I I didn't play it this time, but I seem to remember thinking it was definitely better than Bonk's Adventure. Air Zonk. Now that's a game we get to talk about at some yeah. point. Um, all right. Yeah, guitars and things. Pretty cool. Yeah. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to be right back going to the future, talking about our impressions of playing through this game uh, just in the past week or so. Back in the future, we're going to be talking about our impressions of playing through Bonk's adventure. And the uh, Josh, let's let's throw it off to you first because I, I think it is a really interesting game. If you're just really getting into it, I guess twenty some odd years later, um, mm-hmm. I, I got to ask you: How did you play the game? And you know, what were your impressions? What were your thoughts? I originally the first time that I uh, really got to spend a lot of time with it outside of Toys R Us was on the Wii Virtual Console in 06 because I got a Wii on launch day and of course downloaded Bonk to try to right the wrongs of my childhood. And um I most recently played it again on Wii Virtual Console. So it's it's a good game. I mean honestly it is. I when when I realized we were playing this game this week I wasn't overly excited about it truth be told. Uh, because I remember not loving it that much back in 06. But now with a little bit more time and appreciation for what the TurboGrafx-16 was and for um, the weird mechanics of this game, it's it's something I'd definitely recommend. Uh, and that's the thing is that um, for the time when it came out, 89, 1990, you know, that time frame, uh, most of the platforms did not have a wide variety of mechanics like Kevin was talking about earlier. You basically did one thing. You would either whip or you would jump on someone's head, or maybe you had a projectile. Maybe if you're really lucky, you get one or two of those things. Um, but this has all sorts of mechanics. Like you go from climbing walls with your giant teeth, you know, th- those parts, um, headbutting enemies, and then jumping. And then there's some things you jump off of, and, and you like fly really high in the air. Um, it's There's just a lot going on with it. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, also, one thing that's going to really stand out to people who are playing it for the first time is... If you if you love the late 80s and early 90s like I do, you get a lot of things from that time period, like dinosaurs wearing hats, like baseball caps, um, bosses wearing sunglasses, uh, kind of, you know, gnarly sunglasses. 
um, and saying things like, you really rang my bell on that one when you defeat them. <laughs> so you don't get story beats, but you get stuff like that. You do get, you really rang my bell on that one, um, which is the more important thing than what happens to Princess Za if we're really going to think about it. That's a great point that you brought up. Like, I didn't even think about that. Like, I, I totally remember seeing like dinosaur, like cartoon dinosaurs were big back then. And they were, like, they, you just <laughs> made that image of that, that dinosaur with like a baseball cap on. Maybe it was just because like of the TV show dinosaurs, but that was live action. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. Yeah. I don't know why that, that, that is a really interesting point of just like how much of a period piece this or just like a, a snapshot of 1990 this was. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at Bonk evolving, right? Like to Arizonk, he gets like the the shades and then the like lightning bolts yeah. and things like that. Man. Um, aren't there CDs in that game too? Yeah. yeah. As like projectiles or something? It's the future. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're in the mid-90s at that point. Dude, music's the weapon. Um, <laughs> Revolution <laughs> X. Yeah, let's do that next time. Revolution <laughs> I I played Forget Steven Tyler. Yeah. yeah, I got stories about that game. You want to talk about Revolution X? I can I can talk to you for at least five minutes. Um, so uh, I'm going to. Uh, oh wait, I want to say something negative. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice how the mood changed, yeah. listeners? Um, I, this game. Okay. I, I, there's something about the art that just rubs me the wrong way. Huh. Like the 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 art itself, it just I know that it's very much a period piece, and I was just celebrating it for that reason. Uh, but it's it's just it's a tad ugly, if I'm going to be completely honest. Okay, hold uh, on, hold on. So so there you go. I'm going to bow out and Can let we, these two talk about that. Okay, I, I'm going to jump in here. Because, I'll hang up and listen. Okay, I'm I'm going to jump in here because uh, I, I I thought first off, Josh, I'm really disappointed in you for not mentioning the soundtrack of this game um, because that's. Pretty much the first thing that we talked about whenever we mentioned a game that we covered. Because... <laughs> I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. <laughs> okay, uh, the the one thing I'm, I'm just going to run down my, my my stuff real quick because um, again, I I was excited to play this game just because again I had very few memories of it and I I just dropped three hundred dollars on a PC Engine DOR and I was like I need to to play some of the the iconic games of this platform um, and and I was surprised like going into it. The the game kind of starts off, and I'm like, man, this is it's kind of simple. The music, kind of simple stuff. It's maybe a 45 second loop, something like that. And uh, then I'm I'm starting to like nod my head to it. I'm starting to get into it, and it was very like it's simple, but like but very catchy uh, music throughout the game. And I'm gonna disagree with you. I loved the like I thought it was like a wacky and, and super charming environment, and the and, and the art design. Um, the only thing that really kind of turned me off was uh, probably the the other forms that Bonk takes. I didn't like kind of like the like with his teeth all over the place and stuff like that. Um, I just I liked regular Bonk, and it's interesting. And well, it's probably not that interesting, but um, got like a real adventure island vibe, and it kind of yeah. makes sense coming from Hudson. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I have nothing against the environments themselves. You know, like I think the level, like we're talking about really early on in the game when you go inside the dinosaur really good. is cool. But it's just like, it's it's the character designs themselves. I just think it's not very attractive when you think of some of the other games that were coming out in that time period. Man, I just, I, I had a smile on my face. Like I thought it was, this is like. No, it, it's got a charm. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, I listen to a lot of like garage rock and stuff like that i mean you know it's not much to look at but it has a lot of character 
But I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like these are the games that I want to be playing these days now that I've gone anti-next gen. And Yeah, man, you made the right call on that. Yeah, well, my next, like I said, I keep saying my next gen is the, it's the PC engine and the Neo Geo. Like that's what I, that's where I drop my money on. But, um, in, in terms of the, 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 the gameplay itself, again, I, I found it hard to, to really get my, my head around it just because I think you get used to the Mario mechanics of like having a run button and, you know, jumping on enemies, learning the headbutting mechanic. It, it just takes a while to get used to the controls and timing your attacks is very important because you don't have a lot of room for error when it comes to uh, attacking enemies. It's not like you have a long whip or a projectile or something like that. You have to really be close <laughs> to the enemies and they can come darting at you uh, oh. at any time. It's like the dragonflies are just kind of hang out there totally waiting for you and then all of a sudden they, they come charging at you T- totally and i, and I mm-hmm. think it, it might have just been me but i felt like the hit detection wasn't very fair because i'm like i'm right up against this guy or it, even just the time that it takes to you know hit the uh i guess it was the two button uh hit that once and then have you ready to attack again took too much time sometimes and then i was like I have a turbo selector on my controller. Do, wait, do you ha- or do you have the ability to select turbo on your controller, Josh, on the Wii U or on the Wii? Um, I, I'm not entirely sure for the turbo oh, wow. graphics. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because um, could... I was playing it with a Wiimote on its side. That's what hmm. I'm saying. Like, I don't know how. Do, how do you select turbo? Maybe the maybe the trigger on the back. I don't, know. Do that? I don't know, man. Again, or another button. Another reason to to not go to the virtual console, just buy the real deal. Um, yeah, because I just wasn't even thinking about that. Okay, yeah. so it's a really important part of it. Well, well, I'll talk about it myself. I'm going to Google it in a second while what, you guys are talking. Well, Steve, what did you do? Because you, you played it on a PC engine. <clears throat> I, I ran up against the you know question: Do I do I use Turbo or is that cheating? Do I not use Turbo? Because if oh, you that's... use Turbo, it's way easier. It's you're not cheating. Um, so I played it on <sighs> okay. a Duo RX with the six button pad, which was actually a mistake um, because to switch into Turbo, I have to reach to the middle to do the Turbo <laughs> switches. Yeah. Where um, you know on the regular Turbo graphics, it's right above the button. Mm-hmm. And and when I was a kid, that's how I played it. Right. There's times where you know, you want to basically spin across an entire level, so you crank up the Turbo and spin across, and then when you land, you turn it off so you can. Um, you, know, you can sort of bonk things uh, mm-hmm. with the right timing. Same thing with the climbing, right? So yeah. you, know, you turbo up and so you climb up really fast and then you, you shut it off uh, so you can make the bigger jumps in between. Um, and I think that was – it's interesting because it felt like they really took the controller into account um, mm-hmm. when they when, when the game was being built. It's like, oh, you can turbo switch and, yeah, you can get cruise across uh, the entire thing. Um, you're going to miss all the bonuses and everything, but you know, like you're saying, it, the, there's. I played it like I played it when I was a kid, where as much as I could, I tried to interact with enemies as little as I could. Oh <laughs> so man, just so that was my floating plan. across the entire thing. Uh, like, okay, this will get me in the air high enough so I can get even further away. Okay, because I found the game really difficult. And this is yeah. this is coming from two episodes uh, ago, getting all the way through Rondo of Blood. Wow. Like this was not 
This was not a cakewalk to me, and I didn't. I wasn't even able to finish the game. I got stuck at the the gauntlet of <laughs> of bosses, bosses yeah. uh, and then you have to fight an extra boss after going through that gauntlet. Um, right. That that's where I kept getting stuck. And uh, luckily, the game allows you to continue. Um, unlike I believe uh, from watching Game Center CX, I don't think he was able to continue um, in his playthrough. I don't know if that was. Uh, put in for us, you know, stupid Americans who can't play video games or, or what, but um, that was, man, so I, I, I got to go back to it and try, because I, as I was getting to that point uh, today, I started using the turbo button. I'm like, man, I, I can't do this. It's, it's super easy because I'm A, floating through the air and I'm skipping right. a bunch of stuff. And if an enemy gets even close to me, there's no way it's going to touch me because I'm like constantly bonking my head. Uh, I mean, so I actually ran into something you ran into even with, you know, my turbo switch using. The collision detection was a lot worse than I remember. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially on bosses. I, I, they, yeah. I, get, I got hit, and I could have sworn I hit him because you, early on you can just spin and hit him in the head, but then other times mm-hmm. you need to be pretty deliberate about, like, falling and bonking him. And there were times where I would just go right through the boss and take take a hit and, like, what the what happened there? Mm-hmm. Um I think the big thing with getting through that last stage, and it was something I remembered. It it was shocking how much I remembered about how to get through certain stages. Um, is getting the hard containers and the extra lives, yeah. uh, because some of the bosses, especially like King Jewel at the end, I I, I remember it even as a kid, like just brute forcing it, mm-hmm. right? And like I'm gonna burn through like probably two or three lives here. I just hopefully I have enough to to outlast him. Well, that's interesting uh, point to bring up just in terms of the lives. Like if you run out of your your hearts, you don't go back to the beginning of the level. If you have an extra life, you just respawn like you would in, you know, like Streets of Rage 2 if you had an extra yeah, life. That death animation or like, I don't, it's not even death. He was frothing at the mouth and just kind of twitching on the ground. The, rape, the rabies <laughs> animation. Right. <laughs> Because I don't, yeah. I don't know. I guess that's how people died back in 10,000 BC. I wasn't there, you know. Right, know. and he came back to life for at least three times. At, at least, yeah. Um, so I, I, again, kind of uh, talking about the things that I love. I mean, the skull elevators; those are badass. Like yeah, that's, they that's are. just as a, a kid growing up, you see an el- elevator that's made out of a gigantic skull. Um, that's really cool. And the, the level variety is good. Like you do have your your cave level. You have your like it was basically like if you think about Mario, it was or, or Super Mario World. Like you would have you'd have your underground stages in the cave. You'd have your water stages. You'd have your underwater stages. Your ice levels, uh, your fire levels where there's a bunch of lava on the ground, and the jungle levels and things like that. Um, so I it, it, it mixed things up a little bit, but it was kind of weird the layouts. Um, especially the the levels that would have the bonus stages in them, right? Uh, were the same. I mean, in, in terms of the looks, uh, which was kind of a bummer. Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, overall. I mean, I, I think it. I think I still had fun. Like I, I was enjoying my time, and I enjoyed. Like people listen to this soundtrack. Let Josh know that he's wrong for not talking about that um, <laughs> because the soundtrack is simple yeah. but good. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, you go. You go ahead. You're our uh, guest. Uh, one of the things that I found that entertained me the most, and I this is going to seem a little stupid, but it was after I finished the game, I had forgotten the names of the enemies and how awesome they are. Uh, so <laughs> like, when you finish the game, it does this like cast and it shows you like the enemy and then their name. Mm-hmm. But it's names like Al E. Gator and there's like alliteration. So Henry Hatchet and Sally Slug yeah. and Funky mm-hmm. Fish. 
Um, it was like a roach. It's like B Lou Roach. Um, and so there's, I, I, Wait, what's I the roach's watching, name? It's B like uh, period Lou L O U and then Roach. Okay. So Blue Roach. Yeah. Uh, the and roach, then yeah. Blue. Yeah, yeah. And I thought there the, were slugs, but it's Vulture um, for the vultures, and so it, it was just. You know, this is guys in the translation, but like we had to come up with names. Like, all right, all right, <laughs> just like, call him a vulture. Just don't say vulture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you know the guys w- uh, waving at the, they're sitting on Moon World and, and they're or Moonland and they're waving at you. Um, that sort of brought back this memory for me. Is I I have a videotape of me finishing Bonk's adventure um, <laughs> because I remember keeping that on the screen and then running to get the video camera to like film the television. Um, and showing that I had finished the game. Did you go and stand beside the screen? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I never did that. I always just like re- recorded the screen itself. It was sort of like the the let's play of the day. Right? Wait, wait, um, hold on. So, wait, do, do do you have multiple videos of multiple game completions? Uh, I have a lot of them. Um, what? This I, is I don't awesome. Know, yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I have to find where they are, right? And I think big ones for me. I think we talked about this, like Ninja Gaiden, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sell a lot of the early NES stuff, and then I I stopped around Turbo Graphics because you start getting a lot more interested in girls, and you can't be like, hey, you want to come and watch me finish Bonk's Adventure, or like watch my videotape of me finishing Bonk's Adventure. Yeah, let's relive that so well. Yeah, you, you never uh, know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Could have put yourself the, out there. The dream girl back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, right. That's so funny. I I submitted one. Uh, Back in the the day for Nintendo Power, you could submit pictures um, of high scores, mm-hmm. um, and or, or like if you completed a game, you could you could submit your 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 picture saying, "Yeah, I finished this game." Um, and the the game that I did was Home Alone on the Super Nintendo. Wow! I did, did they not, publish you? No, they <laughs> published Cliffy B. Yeah, did they really? And, uh, Steve Wozniak. Yeah, and Wozniak as well. Oh yeah, well. for Tetris, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I've uh, I forget what it was. maybe I uh, I think it was Woz's book that I was uh, reading where he talked about how he still to this day carries around like multiple original Game Boys with copies of Tetris. <laughs> like, incredible. how awesome is that? You got to give him a copy of Bonk's Adventure on Game Boy. Just pull that out. Yeah, someone said if if you guys Blows walk mind. up to Woz, yeah, give him some more games. Like, give him. Uh, even like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game was all right on there. Um, you know, maybe think about giving him a Solar Striker. Simple game, um, but but yeah, fun. That's a good move. Yeah. You can give him a Turbo Express and Bonk's Adventure. Yeah, yeah. he can play it for an hour. Right. Um, that's all you need. Yeah, you can get through it in an hour. Um, huh? So actually, have you seen the speed runs of Bonk's Adventure? No. All right. So I, I, this was part of like the research. Part. I, I watched the speedruns, tool assisted, mm-hmm. but they're doing stuff. You know, when you bonked the uh, the flowers that jump you in the air, you, it kind of shoved you over. Yeah, it's they were using that as basically a speed up mechanism to get them to move faster uh. than walk. Uh, <laughs> and there was just things that were happening. I mean, when it's tool assisted, obviously things are almost impossible, you know, in regular gameplay. Mm-hmm. But definitely techniques of you know getting hit so you get shoved into the air further. Um, and, and that happened to me a couple times on accident when I was doing some of the climbing levels. I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder if you could use this. And then when I went, saw the speed run, it's like totally exploit the hell out of all that. I gotta check out some more of those speed runs. I I get to set aside some you. time. Um, yeah. 
it, if you it's ever want to watch speedruns, watch. I think I might have talked about this a couple episodes ago, but uh, the Vice City speedruns, very cool. I don't know because again, I'm never going to play Vice City ever again. But uh, seeing that game in like three and a half hours is nuts. Um, one thing is, that is it, can Super Metroid be finished? I know we're getting way off track here, but does, can Super Metroid be finished in like 20 minutes or something? Yeah, it's all that weird sequence breaking. Yeah, uh, where you just like you have the very minimum number of missiles and all this other stuff, and you kind of taking advantage of glitches in the game to get through it. It's those things are crazy. I think Metroid yeah, Prime is watching it. like that too. Oh, does it really? Yeah. I guess if you can bounce over that wall. Um, okay, yeah. I'm not going to get that off track. I want to, but I won't. <laughs> well, let's, let's, we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up. I mean, uh, I, I think the thing that I alluded to before that was uh, what, one last weird thing, uh, in terms of how they break, broke up the stages, like you get through mm-hmm. that first world and you're like, all right, one, three was the last stage. Okay, so there are you know, five worlds, there's three stages on each. And then you go to <laughs> world two. Or, or stage two, I should say, and it's broken up into six parts. And then four is one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and there's no way to know how much longer the game is going to last. And I think it was it was stage uh, three, two. It's where you spin across the bridge. Yeah, it's three, two. And, but I didn't spin across the bridge. I just fell down, and the level was over in 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so that was... Uh, well, no, if you spin across the bridge, you actually skip over like three. I think that's if it's three, two, and then you skip over like three, four, and you jump directly to like three, five. Oh, uh, okay. It's something like that. And there's actually another one. I think this is on the f- five, three, where it's, it's the first water thing when you're in the castle. Mm-hmm. You can actually go to the top and jump over the wall and go directly to the elevator. So you don't even need to go through the level. Jeez. Um, so it's, yeah, it's all these crazy things like that. Well, it's just, it's just such a really weird setup when you get used to, again, you know, you have, uh, three stages for, for Super Mario Brothers or four stages, you know, if you count the castle and Sonic the Hedgehog one, you have those three stages for, for each one of the worlds. And then you just go from three to six to one. <laughs> uh, another uh, cool anecdote. Well, you know, that's when you're just sort of establishing the um, the conventions of a genre, you know, like it was sort of wide open back then. So if, in, you know, thinking back to, to 1990, uh, Bonk was it a success. Obviously, it did not drive enough sales of the, the Turbo Graphics at the time. Um, but I, I I don't know even I don't even know the question that I'm asking, but Steve, do you think that uh, Bonk was a, a good attempt at, at creating a you know what everyone needed at the time a mascot for for the Turbo Graphics, or should they went a, a different route and pick someone else? I mean, if you look at the PC Engine library, there's there's not much else that could have resonated as well as Bonk. JJ um, yeah, JJ Jeff, right? It's <laughs> like this game makes no sense. Yeah. Um, they have huge heads. Uh, yep. The I think what Bonk did, and you know, they marketed the hell out of Bonk. It you know became the pack-in game, and then Bonk's Revenge became the pack-in game. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave him a voice for the Duo CD, where he's like Uka Bonk, yeah. and you pick like Bonk's Adventure, Bonk's Revenge. I think maybe it, it gave him a little bit more life and, and made them seem more competitive than they actually were at the time. Um, you know, there's really interesting stories. Uh, we can go at another podcast, but TTI and what they were trying to do at near the end of the life of the, of the system. Um, but I think, you know, Bonk was one of those things that was easy to remember. 
um, is really is iconic. And so you can say like, all right, yeah, there's the Genesis and uh, Sonic and Mario and then Bonk. And, you know, you see a lot of magazine covers from the day. It's like it's those characters battling. Right. Yeah. So it gave them at least something to hang their hat on. Uh, and, you know, it, it, like I said, when it when it became like a hundred dollar system with a pack in, and then like a seventy dollar system with a pack in, mm-hmm. um, it was just well, let's see if we can get through all this hardware we made that nobody ever bought. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a bummer. It's like they're just kind of checking off the box two D side scroller with a mascot. <laughs> right. I would argue that this was the last like console mascot too because yes you can say maybe crash bandicoot was for the playstation mm-hmm. but uh, i don't really think so what about master chief yeah. i don't know i don't know i i, I figured somebody was going to bring that up but this was the last like attitude you know um extreme the Bob sort of mascot uh, <laughs> uh, we all love bobsy yeah especially in 3d yeah maybe i was gonna say well, you, what about the also 3do chicken. man right oh 3do we had what way of the warrior Mm-hmm. Classics, yeah, it was one of the big ones there. Yeah, and a lot of terrible games. digitized human, I guess, would be there. Atari Jaguar had, uh, you know, Aliens versus Predator, right? That's right. a good mascot. You could have, you have two mascots and, and a good Doom board, I think. Yeah. Tempest, that's what. Mm-hmm. Tempest yeah, is. Tempest two thousand. Yeah, um, your mascot's a bunch of lines. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that is uh, going to be it for our discussion of Bonk's adventure. Uh, stick around. We're going to be going into the. Uh, next segment, uh, Josh is going to get sucked up into a wormhole because he's not going to be a part of it. Uh, so it's going to take place in the past, but it's going to be in your future. So stick around. That's coming up right now. Okay, we're here for the fourth segment. This is the non, or this is the time-sensitive segment. That's why we put it at the end, and uh, we're going to be talking about just a couple pieces of news and uh, some announcements for you guys quickly uh, before we get into the news. Uh, people were asking how to get in touch with uh, Quan from the Omega episode, and he said the best way to get in touch with him, if you have questions about the Omega, is just to go to sales at arcadeworks.net. Um, if you have any questions about the hardware or how to purchase it, uh, send those questions to him, and uh, I'm sure he'll get back to you uh, really quickly. But the good news is you guys really dug that episode, so he is uh, hopefully going to be busy putting some more of these things together and uh, Steve, do you have one of these Omegas? Uh, actually, so I gave mine to Giant Bomb. 
Uh, I have a couple different consoleized MVS systems, and I met Quan at uh, California Extreme before he had released it. He's an awesome guy. I finally listened to that episode, and yeah, it was, it's great. Like, if you want a consoleized MVS, it, it's probably the best one out there. Um, you can spend more money and get that the crazy one that's made out of wood, um, but <laughs> it, it, you know, I I don't want to play it because I, I feel like I'm going to damage the thing. So yeah, grab the definitely grab the Omega. Yeah, and it's uh, again, it's kind of that. That's it's hard to say the sweet spot in terms of price because you're still paying five hundred dollars. But I, I think with uh, the stuff that that has been going around from the interview and also the videos that uh, I posted on YouTube, at least the audience is getting some uh, excitement about it. And even Mark on the the latest eight four play was uh, talking about it. He saw the the YouTube video that I put together on it. So uh, maybe before I get out to Japan, I can talk him into picking one of those up. <laughs> Now, just because to be honest, like they they're right there, like they can just walk, they can go on a train, go down two stops, and buy these cartridges at a store. Yeah, like they don't amazing. have to go to eBay. Um, to <laughs> yeah, do this or stuff. fly to Japan, or yeah, or, or fly to Japan. <laughs> and same thing, like to get the controllers. It's just you know you go to Trader and you just buy two controllers. Um, so I'll see what I can do. Yeah. And we're going to be talking with Steve again in just another week because I interviewed Steve before this recording. But uh, part of that is that we're going to be alternating between a video game discussion and then an interview with someone else. Uh, A, because it helps us in terms of prep for the show. It has been getting kind of hard to do a game a week. And we've done a really good job the last month, but... This is going to allow some, uh, a little bit of a buffer for us to to have a little bit more time to play the upcoming game. And uh, to be honest, I've been doing these interviews for like the last seven years with the Fitcast, and I've been having a lot of fun. You know, first with Quan and then with Steve, and then I'm hoping to talk to uh, Mike Micah next week, or I guess it would be you guys will hear it like three weeks from now. Um, but also uh, a very interesting guy to talk about collecting video games and video game preservation and stuff like that so it will be uh how the show is going to be going from now on and you guys really dug the the interview with Quan, and i can say since we've already recorded it the one with steve went great as well so it should be uh, a good setup going down the road and you know steve you did a really good job with that hopefully it's like a good kind <laughs> of like a warm-up to this week yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and hopefully everybody enjoys it. And uh, Mike, Mike is awesome. Yeah, he's uh, in the Bay Area, and you know, he and I always try to trade tips. And you know, hey, did you find this? Did you find that? Or you know, make sure we don't bid against each other on things. Well, that's a good transition into talking about uh, Outerlands, the video series that uh, Area Five is putting together. They have by the time you guys hear this. Actually, I should put this out really fast because by the time you hear this, I think there's going to be about five days left. For, for raising money for the Kickstarter. And I think they're at about 50000 that they have to put together. But, you know, crazier things have happened before when it comes to Kickstarter and raising money. And I'm hoping that they can get a really good last push because the, the project that they put together is something that is right up the alley of this audience. Like this is talking about, you know, Actually, Steve, I, I know, Steve, yeah. you've been talking about a little bit. I don't know if you what, – what's the best way that you would pitch it? Uh, it's sort of like This American Life, like these yeah. little vignettes about uh, different things in gaming. 
And one of them that they talk about in the Kickstarter video is preservation. And then they had a follow-up interview with uh, Frank Cifaldi going through his magazine collection. But it's not just about classic games. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different subjects around gaming, you know, professional gaming, mm-hmm. you know, esports, and things like Let's Play videos, mom and pop stores. So there's a ton of different um, little subjects around gaming and really take sort of a documentary feel to it. Um, Area 5 has done amazing work. Uh, you can see some of their previous work online. Uh, and, you know, I really hope it gets backed. Uh, you know, I backed it the first day and been pushing for them ever since. Yeah, and even if you if you want to just look at some of their work, look at the Street Fighter documentary that they yeah. did, and it's free on YouTube. You can just go check it out. And it is really weird to see what they, they put together back in the one-up days and to see how they've really grown to, like, this is top-tier documentary work when it comes to the video production. They, they've done such a great job with the, the Street Fighter videos, and also they did stuff uh, with The Last of Us um, as well. They put together that video series for, uh, I think it was the special edition of The Last of Us, but um, a, a super great cause, and even for, for $25, you can get access to HD versions of all the digital downloads for the series if it does get kickstarted and uh, we need some more of this stuff. It is like for people, if you like King of Kong, if you liked um, ecstasy of order, things like that, like more stuff talking about the, uh, the video game community and, and how this stuff affects other people's lives. Uh, this is where you should be putting your money. It's a really, really great project. Yeah, they actually announced yesterday that uh, if they do get funded, that Hulu is going to pick them up. Um, so it'll be an original series available on Hulu as well, obviously to backers first and then released mm-hmm. onto um, online services. Yeah, and like Steve said, at least go and, and, and check out the the short that they did with Frank's like ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> That's an ri- awesome, uh, great collection. Yeah, if you just kind of look at the, the uh, screenshot of the YouTube video, just showing his collection of video game magazines is, uh, I don't know if it's impressive. Um, it's definitely <laughs> impressive. It is almost intimidating, the amount of stuff that he has on there. And it's kind of funny. We were talking about shelving <laughs> on, the, on the interview that we did. How do we shelve video games? The shelving that he has is just uh, quite impressive and <laughs> immense. I don't know how he's uh, been able to put all this stuff together. I guess it's just patience and talking to the right people. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, slowly over time. And anytime there's a paper auction, if I'm not interested in it, then I definitely point him in, in the, that direction. Uh, he's actually the one who got me into collecting a lot of documentation, mm-hmm. um, you know, like contracts and weird you know, internal memos. It, it doesn't sound that exciting until you read them. And you're like, wait a minute, Nintendo was really worried about this, that, and whatever. Um, so it, it's a it's a fantastic collection uh, and something that definitely needs to be archived. Yeah, that'd be something that'd be really cool to talk about down the road. Is just really the the history of Nintendo litigation <laughs> and the, oh, yeah. and the people that are the the lawsuits that they filed and the lawsuits against Nintendo uh, just when just in the NES years alone was really interesting in, in the stuff that they did with Donkey Kong. Um, and I think it was universal that, mm-hmm. that was going after them. Right. Uh, really, oh. really interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, along with that, uh, talking about the Omega, there's going to be some more Neo Geo stuff. Again, the uh, interview with Quan went really well. So uh, I'm going to tap him to come back on. And I think the trio, like we did for the first Neo Geo episode was, 
Metal Slug 1, Neo Turf Masters, and Baseball Stars 2, I think we're going to do, since uh, it's his favorite game, uh, Puzzle Bobble, uh, Windjammers, and I think the third one was Shock Troopers, which is also uh, a really cool game that I don't didn't really have a life outside of the Neo Geo, unfortunately. A really cool series. Yeah, all two player as well. Yeah, I mean, just just talking off the air. I had a yeah. buddy over today uh-huh. playing play Neo Geo. Like that is the ultimate. I think it's the ultimate two player console that is not. Well, I mean, it's, it's arcade hardware. It is meant to have uh, you know a buddy next to you at a machine. That that great experience. And along with that, there are some decent single player games, like obviously like you know your pole stars and and your puzzle games, things like that that you can play single player um, or super spy. Nah, oh yeah. No, nah, uh, <laughs> cross swords. Cross, yeah. cross swords. There you go. Yeah. Um, but the, I guess the, the it's really interesting to talk about this stuff because there's been a resurgence of the couch co op games with things like Nidhogg and uh, Samurai Gun, and uh, it, it is kind of cool to just be like, dude, come over. We don't have to play on Xbox Live. We can. <laughs> Come over, and then we can get in shouting matches when I beat you four times in a row in Windjammers. Like it's it's something that is is really missing from the online environment. And I think uh, again, it's it's just going to be fun to talk about this Neo Geo stuff. I'm I don't feel bad for just dropping tons of money on it. <laughs> you shouldn't feel bad. I you know, and I, I've even gotten shock boxes. You know, I, I went the whole, I did the whole thing. Um, yeah, the custom printed inserts. You know, you gotta. Get down down there and have the uh, the little mini marquees, even though you're never going to use them. Uh, yeah, I know, and it's it's I I've, uh, I don't know how we talk about this, but I, I really lucked out on on some eBay stuff last week where I I got probably roughly like if you bought them single hit, like piece piecemeal, it'd be like four hundred bucks or four fifty. I got like a bunch of games for two fifty. It was so uh, great, and then I find out he had the mini marquees for that stuff too, nice. um, and he just like included that just. Really great to find people on eBay that want to get out of gaming. Um, <laughs> and for uh, video stuff, uh, make sure you go to the back and play uh, youtube.com slash back of my play to check out the weekend update. I've been trying my best to get in uh, at least two videos a week on there. And uh, the last couple have been Metal Slug 2 and Metal Slug X, so you can compare the differences between the two. And that's another thing we do did, we did today. We played all the way through Metal Slug X on uh, the Neo Geo, which is again just. Uh, just a lot of fun. What What are your thoughts on? While we're just chilling, we're wait, we're mm-hmm. we're just kind of uh, talking. We're waiting. Josh's uh, time dilated. He's kind of uh, not here right now. But Metal Slug Four and Five, not actually made by the original developers. They were made by like a I think it was like a Korean company. Yeah, yeah. How, are those are those good? Because I bought again. Interesting thing going through eBay. I've there's tons of complete kits of Metal Slug 4 for, like, you can get them shipped from Korea for, like, $70. And I was like, what the hell? I'll, I'll buy a complete kit. It's cool to have one of those. And uh, did I make a mistake? Is Metal Slug 4 and 5, are those good games? Uh, they're okay. I mean, I, I think that it's really just the the core um, group in, in the in the beginning. Uh, I To be honest, I really haven't played them that much. I got them, sort of plugged it in. Oh, this works. And I don't think I've even finished either one of them. It was more to have to make sure all the numbers were lined up. I was like, where do you put X? Do you put it at the end? Do you put it at the beginning? Do you put it after four? So, um, but yeah, it's definitely one of those. 
you need to be a completist. They're not that expensive, mm-hmm. um, so I might as well have it. Yeah, and also I've been I've been looking at some of the uh, kind of weird carts. Like they did an SNK versus Capcom as a main PCB for an arcade machine, but I guess they also produced a uh, like an MVS cart of that as well, or they or someone's been fitting these these games into MVS boards. I don't know if you know anything about that. Yeah, yeah, there's an MVS version, uh, the SVC Chaos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you, you can get the MVS version of that. Uh, I think people are also converting that to the home cart, or yeah, the AES and things like that. But that it's right around that phase where things got really shaky with Neo Geo mm-hmm. uh, and started seeing a lot of pirates and everything else. So fun stuff. Watch out for those bootlegs. Um, yeah. And uh, let's let's go into a couple other pieces. Uh, first off. I'm going to be honest, I had I didn't even look. I looked at the trailer for maybe 15 seconds of the new uh, Sonic game, but a new Sonic game was announced, Sonic Boom, coming exclusively to the Wii U and also to the 3DS. Uh, I think you put this on here, Steve. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, uh, if you watch the first 15 seconds, you missed the uh, dubstep. Uh, oh, no, I saw that in. part. Uh, okay, okay, you got to that part. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it just it's one of those things where, you know, Sega is rebooting Sonic again, okay, uh, yeah. this time with much more athletic tape and scarves, I guess, <laughs> are, are the big innovations. Uh, what's interesting is they're kind of taking this weird Angry Birds-like or My Little Pony view to it where they're doing a cartoon series and there's going to be toys and everything else. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really, maybe this is a reboot. You know, all of the marketing material says that it's designed for, you know, that you know preteen to early teen mm-hmm. male demographic. So, you know, that's when I guess some of us were playing uh, Sonic the first time and maybe they're trying to do it again. Yeah, I think it's just Sonic is is the oddest series because yeah. you've seen so many iterations. We've even seen an, an RPG that was made uh, by the people that brought us Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, – and I'm one of those guys. I like Sonic Adventure. I think that's a really good game. Um, and I just – can't get into a lot of the Sonic stuff. Although Sonic Generations was a blast in the Sonic Adventure Racing or Sonic uh, All Stars Racing Transformed, I think it is. <laughs> you got to add some words at the end, and then yeah. it'll be all Transformed it. Extreme Two. Right. Um, that game uh, was also fantastic. And come on, we got Shenmue characters in that game now. It's great. <laughs> yeah, you got to be Rio racing against Sonic. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, Sega. They're trying what they can. Um, you know, they got Relic up here doing uh, doing games uh, on the more hardcore side, and mm-hmm. see what they do on the uh, to reach the wider audience. I think Wii U is probably a mistake, but we'll see what happens there. But at least that's Nintendo money, right? They're getting some cash from Nintendo to make that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was just a one game deal with the last Sonic game, uh, which I can't even remember what the hell it was Sonic Worlds. Yeah, like I don't actually know the details behind that. We probably look it up afterwards. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, you're talking about in uh, Patrick Klepek had a, a really good video for um, uh, on Friday for oh man I forget what this video series is called I don't know uh, Steve actually do you want to talk about this Yeah, it's a, worth playing. It's yeah. just kind of goes through a bunch of uh, indie games and things you should um, play. And it was it was actually pretty uh, pretty tough to watch. Uh, so someone a guy named Dave Jones made a game called Mel- Melbag Mayhem, which is basically Keystone Capers uh, but with giant bomb 
characters and uh, you play Ryan Davis and you're running through the office and there's all kinds of little nods like the eat sign and mm-hmm. cool baby and everything. And uh, he does these things that, you know, throws a pie into a toilet at the end. Um, and I think, you know, what was really emotional about it, it's, it's a fantastic tribute to Ryan Davis, um, but Patrick is pretty much silent through the whole thing. Um, and it's, you know, it kind of pulls on the heartstrings a little bit. It's a, it, it's really well done. It's one of those games where you kind of wish someone would put it on an Atari cartridge just so we could play it on the system. And, uh, is, uh, you know, it, especially if you like classic games, it's a really cool nod. Yeah. And it's, it's, if you've followed Giant Bomb and some of the crazy stuff that they've done too, uh, just like the nods with the pie and things like that, um, it's, uh, it's just kind of it's kind of really cool to see it. It's uh, you know just a reminder. Um, and also, I, I saw you post about this on Twitter. The mm-hmm. game frame, yeah. What what is this thing? This thing looks super cool. It's really cool. So uh, Jeremy Williams used to be um, at Future Publishing. Did a bunch of things with IGN. Uh, I want to say PC Gamer to, uh, and uh, Mac from PC. Um, so he put together. Basically, it's a 16 by 16 grid of color changing LEDs, and you kind of put these BMPs on a on a SD card and you load it on, and it displays it. And just what he's done with the display, you see, it's really vibrant. It's you know, pixels aren't blending in with each other. It looks, it's basically displaying a way to display pixel art, either static or animated. Um, and it's it, you, you should it's it's really hard to describe in words. You should really take a look at it and see what it can do. Um, but you know, Jeremy's an awesome guy. Um, you know, he's he. I think he said he thought, well, if I sell you know two or three a day for the Kickstarter, then I'll be funded by the end. And he got funded in four hours. Yeah. Uh, now he's like double his his amount. And I emailed him and said, "Are you freaking out right now?" He's like, "Well." <laughs> There's going to be a lot of work, but um, yeah, it, definitely check it out, especially if you love 8-bit graphics and, and the display. You can do your own. Um, E-Boy is doing a custom set of graphics, but you can also load your own. He's got a bunch of demos with like Ms. Pac-Man and Joust and all kinds of, like Frogger, I think, is in there as well. Yeah, and, and just at least give it a look. Um, just go to kickstarter.com you know, while you're going to check out Outer Lands. And, uh, <laughs> it, and it is one of those things that... Uh, you kind of want to support and it's, it's stuff that's being made for, for us, you know, fans that are, are really, are people that are really fans of the older games and uh, just having that, that pixel art is just so, it's so cool, uh, cool to look at these days and be, being able to customize that and just kind of like rotate stuff um, is really interesting. So uh, definitely give that a look. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this has been uh, developing as we've gone to record today, uh, it's where everybody turns it off. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, well, this is the end of the show really. Okay. Um, but, uh, to, to be honest, this is, uh, really interesting because I haven't touched this game until again, it was the, talked about on eight form. Like, all right, if these guys are talking about it, you know, maybe I should check it out. But, uh, the Flappy Bird thing that is <laughs> exploded uh, all the way to the point where the developer is now saying that he's going to completely remove it from the App Store and he doesn't want all this attention um, and he's and he's kind of freaking out like this isn't why he made the game is to to get all this attention. Um, you know what are your thoughts on this, Steve? This is this is kind of unheard of. Someone saying that they don't want all this beautiful iOS money. Well, I, I think it's 
I think for him is he got caught up in the internet hate machine, right? There's oh, yeah. so many people just saying like Flappy Bird is terrible. Here's yeah. all the reasons it's terrible. He ripped off his graphics, everything else. And you have to think about it. This is a guy who would come home from work and program for a couple hours. Like here, I'm going to try to make a game. And because the app store is open, I can actually publish it. And maybe people will play this thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to say what exactly what it was that made it rise up. I think that that's a totally separate discussion. But once it got there, other people are playing it, and if you don't like it, I, you know, I played it, I was like, okay, I get it. It's not, I'm not going to keep it on here, probably uninstall it, but I don't hate the guy because he made the thing. Um, and I think that he's just getting personal attacks. He's become sort of this pseudo-celebrity in Vietnam, um, and there's a big target put on his back. And I just think that you know, it wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to make a game, and um, this is sort of the result. It, it, like it's, you said, this really just happened over the past maybe hour or so where he said, I'm going to take it down. So it's, um, we'll have to see what he says. Uh, but love it or hate it, you know, it's, it's out there and it's number one. I mean, why it got there, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's a very interesting thing to watch because it's in, in the case of the internet, I think the, the most negative thing you could ever, or the, the, the biggest thing that that's, uh, starts the negativity is jealousy uh, from yeah. people that are just jealous of someone's success or, you know, we've seen it with Kickstarter. Like if someone, uh, you know, has a Kickstarter and it's very successful, they're like, oh, well, screw these guys. They don't deserve all that money. Like they don't, right. like, what are they going to do with all that money now? Like, th- but people want their stuff and clearly they've earned the money because they're putting together something that, or potentially they're going to be putting together something that that people want. And I think that is just the, uh, the ugliest part of the internet, and it's the internet that I try to stay away from as much as I can, and it's why I have tried to keep this podcast as positive as possible. Like I've talked in the past about, you know, not subscribing to podcasts now where people are just like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, the game's all right, or you know, just complaining about everything, just being super negative, and uh, it. I think this is just front and center. Like it's it's really interesting to watch, and I and I. I really feel bad for the guy that that, yeah. that he feels like this because this should be a moment where he should be uh, really happy because he's made a game that lots of people really love. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it, it it's frustrating because you see uh, a lot of people complaining. Oh, it's just big companies at the top of the app store; mm-hmm. and they can you know buy all their users and marketing and everything. And then it was like, I wish an indie would get up there, and it's like this is a guy that's. You know, he has another job and yeah. he started programming a game. He's number one and everybody hates him. Um, so really damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I, I hope it's, it's, it's tough. It's the internet. Like things like this are going to happen. I mean, the th- same thing has happened with, you know, all the crap that Phil Fish got, you know, right. it's, it's, it's really, it's really a gross side of this, uh, whether it's the internet, whether it's humanity, whether it's the video game community, I don't know what it is. Um, but it is the, 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 the part that I hate to, you know, when people, you know, you say you're a gamer, you kind of have to almost identify with the, the whole community as a whole. And that's just the, the worst part of, of all this stuff. Right. Right. You know, we'll just have to settle our, all arguments in wind jammers or something and that'll be it. it. Yeah. That's, I, I did not know about this, but when I, I posted a picture, I'm like, yeah, man, my wind jammers came today from mm-hmm. the Netherlands and someone replied to me, Hey, uh, Actually, I'll put up right here. Um, did you know you could be you could play Windjammers online with GGPO? <laughs> Pay us a visit, and I did. 
did you know about this? You can play online? Yeah, well, there's a lot of those types of things that, that were for the emulators. Um, I haven't messed around with them that much. So I actually, I mean, I, I kind of assumed that was possible, but I haven't seen the actual um, the software. Like our Game Spy tunneling that we did for Halo 1. To play right, right. Well, Kaylee, awesome. uh, yeah, that that's going back even further, right? And said ISDN modems and like fake and IPX network or something like yeah, that. Man. Yeah, good stuff. Internet was so awesome when you couldn't talk to people <laughs> online. It was great. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, we are are kind of uh, to to be honest, if we're being honest with the public here. We're we're kind of waiting for for Josh. So we're recording things out of order. Uh, sure. a, li- a little bit, but um, I have some some questions that kind of popped up uh, after we did the interview, so I'm going to throw them in here. Okay, um, sounds good. So we, we we got to talking about video game auctions and things like that. So I I need to to ask like what what are some of just like the crazy deals like the the runaway stuff? I know you know things have popped up that you know maybe people didn't necessarily you know, know that this was a a one of a kind or, you know, a a development unit or something like that. Are there Mm -hmm. any things that you you just kind of walked away from that stick in your mind is, man, I just got, I just got a steal on this. Well, so I can talk about ones that maybe I didn't get, but I've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I've gotten uh, lots where there's, uh, I did get a dinosaur peak in a lot, uh, but this is when the game was maybe a hundred dollar game, uh, and not the insane amount that it is now. Uh, and things like that would happen, especially when I would, I would buy out, um, other collectors, you know, mm-hmm. they were getting out of it. You just pull up in a bin and like, what's in here? Wow. There's some weird prototypes and things. So, uh, that I, I found those, I think some of the ones where I, I've seen the weirdest deals is, uh, where it's it's in a lot, right? It's just mm-hmm. kind of like stuck in there. You don't see it. Um, one that got posted was there was a Vectrex system uh, for sale, and it's you know Vectrex and it said it includes one game, which you kind of assume would be Mindstorm. Uh, and there's a picture. It's kind of blurry, and then you look and you see the cartridge in there, and it's Mister Boston, um, which is the rarest cartridge for the Vectrex. It's actually for it's a promotional cartridge for a liquor company. Um, oh. And you know, that the game alone's three thousand dollars, and you know it sold for what a loose Vectrex would go for, you know, like a hundred, hundred ten dollars or something. And then someone posted afterwards, like, "Who did anybody here buy this?" <laughs> and nobody raised their hand, right? It's like, hey, he's got the rarest cart. Um, I think nowadays, though, people are really eagle-eyed. Uh, I think I posted a link on Twitter to the Goodwill auction. Uh, yeah, where, talk about yeah. that because is that something that is actually rare? Yes. What, what is that? I've never uh, so, seen that thing before. The yellow Zelda cart, right? So it's just a test cart. Uh, the, there's a, a bunch of them. You know, it's like the power pad test cart, controller test carts, and things like that. So these and were yellow one, carts. The, the test carts are that's the that's the way people identify them. Uh, so some of them are yellow, some of them are gray. Okay. Uh, and Zelda was just one. You know, one of the test carts that had a battery. And, and there's also a lot of controversy. It's like. Well, did they just ship you the Zelda labels and you slapped it on a Zelda because mm-hmm. it actually is just the Zelda inside. It, it doesn't act. There's not no difference in the game. Uh, um, it's okay. really the shell. And so a lot of people say if you buy one, you need to make sure it also has the back label and and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's really in demand now. Uh, for a long time, it was like a four hundred dollar cart, but then. Uh, people started putting bounties on it, like 800, 900, and a really nice one last year sold for 1200. Uh, and so a lot of people are looking for it. Uh, and 
you know, Goodwill is known that they've, Goodwill has gotten a lot more savvy about this. You know, they they realize that there's a collector market, so they're putting more things um, that are rare individually on Shop Goodwill. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, something like this happens where it's just a lot, and you know, there's obviously people who troll every single one of these lots, and then they see it and hope no one else sees it. Um, in this case, obviously, everybody knows about it now. So uh, they're like this random lot of nine games, you know, like Pac-Man, I think, is in there. I don't even sound on service, just random games and a Zelda test card. So, yeah. Yeah, that's I've had I've run into a couple of things like we talked, uh, I think, in the last episode about, you know, finding a like a Neo Geo with a viewpoint in it, which basically pays right. for it or, um, you know, finding a, a play choice with. Uh, Mega Man 3, and also I think it was Solar Jetman, which I literally drove from Boston, you know, north of Boston, to New York after buying this on a, like a one-click bid. Drove <laughs> yeah, four and a half. <laughs> yeah, buy it now. I, I drove four and a half hours to get uh, a Play Choice then that was in pretty rough condition, but it had Mega Man 3 and Solar Jetman in it. And after like $300 and maybe $100 worth of gas, I had $500 worth worth of like, you know, Play Choice 10 games, plus mm-hmm. I had a whole nother Play Choice 10, plus I still had eight more games that were inside the thing. Um, and, and that's almost like I, I kind of almost deal with the the morality of the case of, you know, maybe do I tell these people, like, I just, you know, like this is worth money. Like, I don't even know if that is a, a bad thing because they don't care. They they got their money. They I gave them the price they were asking for. You know, right. maybe they're happy. I'm happy. We're, we're all winners. Right. Well, it, one of the things that a lot of people do on eBay is they look for misspellings. Uh, TurboGrafx <laughs> being a very notorious one because nobody spells it right. Um, you know, G R A F I X and you know mm-hmm. all these other things and, and weird spacing. So um, yeah, it's like wow, that copy of Dynastic Hero didn't sell for very much because they totally misspelled the system name. So uh, when it comes to collecting uh, games, that thing that we talked about a couple times on the show is being worried about the, the the game's not working anymore whether it be like you know three and a half inch floppy disks or mm-hmm. uh you know we've probably been wrong but we've talked about disc rot and you know right. on like gd roms i think it was gd roms specifically like i've had dreamcast games that just they, they have no scratches on them it just mm-hmm. holes started appearing in them. Um, right. Is there anything that you do when it comes to like preserving this stuff to to avoid that, or is there anything that you can do? Is there just kind of like time, you know, taking its toll on this stuff? Well, time's going to take its toll. I think the big thing is just where you store your games, um, not in like musty basement in a cardboard box. Uh, I think I, I mentioned during our interview, uh, things like video game box protectors to protect the physical object, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the cardboard and the paper and everything else. Um, it's just like when you're collecting comic books, you know, you use uh, bags and boards mm-hmm. uh, to hold that stuff. In terms of the actual games um, dying, you know, I've seen it with prototypes, probably the most out of everything, uh, where you know we'll try to dump it, and then it'll be like, oh, there's not much here to work with. Uh, so uh, those are, are probably the the early things that are dying. I think the big thing is eventually all this stuff is is going to, you know, there's going to be some form of bit rot, um, you know, batteries leaking inside carts. Uh, the important thing is just to make sure that. Uh, that stuff is archived somewhere, and that there is a way to play it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you can say like, "Hey, here's sort of the original way it came." 
uh, we can't play it on this thing anymore, but um, here's you know here's a way that you can play it. And I think that's the big thing with prototypes for me is you know they're they're not getting any younger, uh, and and it's just finding these people that have them and getting these things dumped, um, even if they don't want to release it. Uh, making sure that uh, there's a way that you, if someone wants to play it in the future, they'll be able to. Well, I think that's something that um, I believe it might have been like Mike. I think it might have been Mike Micah that that was talking about this a long time ago. Um, uh, a life well wasted. Um, there, mm-hmm. there was an episode on video game preservation and talking about uh, the the worry that they're comparing it to film. You know, the mm-hmm. early early years of film a lot of that stuff was lost it wasn't preserved and the same kind of worry is being uh adapted to to video games so the importance of really preserving this stuff and i think uh there are uh, consumer like things that people can get to like dump super nintendo and genesis games right yeah so super nintendo and genesis easiest is the retro the retro um, yeah so, and, and i mean that's kind of a it's the retro is really cool by the way, if you're a retro gamer um, and you know you don't have a SNES, I don't know why you wouldn't, but you can you know, plug this in and plug cartridges into it, and then it, you can actually load it up in an emulator, so you're not pirating ROMs or anything. But it, it's also a good way to to dump uh, the ROMs. Um, I think what I've been telling most people is, you do come across something, let someone in Nintendo age or Atari age or what, whatever uh, you know digital press know, so or uh, assembler games. So that we a know it exists, and then b uh, can find a way to archive it, even if you know you don't want to um, release it to the public. Very cool. Well, Josh has arrived on the internet. Um, All right. So uh, that is going to be it for for this week's episode. Um, again, uh, I'll probably say this twice, but Steve, thank you so much for for coming on and, and talking about some bonk at least in a little bit and right. uh also uh, again please don't forget to jump on itunes the best way you can support us right now is to submit a review on there uh help bump us up in the ratings that's the best way to do it and uh also go to the youtube channel youtube.com slash back in my play i'm posting stuff up there at least twice a week and you can also uh follow myself on twitter at uh, at kevin larrabee you can check out josh at at Joshua Hillier, and then uh, you can check out Steve at, at Stephen P. Lynn. Again, thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate you supporting us. And uh, until next time, I guess you got to start hitting up the flea market, see if you can find some prototypes, start dumping those things. Let Steve know. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kevin.